You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Boss Hog Liberty Podcast. This is episode number 84 of East Central Indiana's favorite podcast. I'm Jeremiah Morrill, and today I'm joined by co-host Dakota Davis. Today's episode is going to be featuring three candidates for state senate, uh, district number 26. We have Mike Gaskell, Dave Cravens, and uh, Mr. Greg Noland over here. We're going to be asking them all kinds of questions about... uh, uh, their platforms, the issues that are plaguing the state, uh, such as hate crime legislation, county jails across the state, uh, hemp and marijuana legalization, and uh, our education system across the state. So make sure you stay tuned for all of that. do want to thank the uh, League of Women Voters as well for participating this evening. Uh, both Wildlands Flowers and the League of Women Voters have uh, uh, been kind enough to uh, contribute to the, uh, to the show this evening. Uh, Dakota? Today's episode is brought to you by Wylands Flowers of Newcastle. Wylands has been delivering top-of-the-line flowers and gifts to the area since 1951. Wylands provided the flowers for both of our weddings. Great service, incredible flowers, and a hometown landmark business. Wylands is the official florist of the Boss Hog Liberty. With online ordering and same-day flower delivery, you guys have no excuse to not buy your loved one's flowers. Call 765-529-6303, or you can visit wylandsflowers.net and take advantage of their service on some amazing autumn gift sets. Tell them the Boss Hog of Liberty sent you. And whenever you get done with that, then hop on over to patreon.com slash Liberty. Uh, that is our monthly donation service, and if you enjoy our program, then you can help keep the lights on in this studio and make sure our electric bill pay, gets paid and we have heat and everything else over here for our guests. It's uh, a very dark and rainy November evening. We're, <laughs> we're very happy we've got a roof over our head. That's right. We're not nomads. When we first started doing this show, we were back poolside at my house, and we, had, we didn't have a roof. <laughs> so we've got that going for us now. We've come a long way. And that is all thanks to our Patreon donors, <laughs> patreon.com slash Liberty And uh, this, if you're watching the video right now, we have got an amazing table that allows us to seat five different people. And uh, we, have, uh, we have the amazing Kevin Potter and Elizabeth Potter to thank for that. Uh, you can go find our Amazon wish list, uh, search Boss Hog Liberty on Amazon, and that's how you can get a piece of equipment named after you. So we have the Potter table in here tonight and the all, Craig DaCosta headphones and All I had to tiles. do was marry their daughter and they sent a table. It worked out okay. <laughs> it was great. It was a pretty good trade, I think. It worked out well for me anyway. Yeah. No commitment for you. <laughs> all right. So. Uh, Let's get to the hard-hitting questions here. We, uh, we, we have been following this Senate race for, uh, for a little while. Um, Henry County is uh, is where our show originates from, uh, and we have one state representative, but two state senators represent our area. The northern third of Henry County is represented by uh, currently uh, State Senator Doug Eckerty, uh, and this district covers portions of Delaware County, portions of Henry County, and portions of Madison County. Is that is that correct? Yes. yes. 
So uh, these three gentlemen have been traveling the uh, traveling the district since uh, since probably last last fall, if not spring, at the at the latest. Uh, going around talking to people, I've I've run across them all uh, on the campaign trail as I've had my own race. Um, so it's an open Senate seat. Uh, I just for just for my own entertainment, I went and I pulled the campaign finance reports, and I said, "Oh my God, these guys have raised and spent a lot of money. Uh, you've been working, uh, Mike. You you guys have." <laughs> It's serious business running for state senate. Uh, it certainly is. So uh, on my right, we do have Mike Gaskell, uh, who's uh, from Pendleton, Indiana. That's correct? That's right. All right. Um, and then, do you want to spend just a few minutes telling us about yourself, your bio, what, what made you run, what makes you want to run for the state senate, and go through this, this process? Okay, sure. Uh, again, my name is Mike Gaskell, and I'm an insurance agent in Anderson, uh, 25 years in the business kind of thrilled to be able to uh, share an office with my father, who is the most uh, senior agent in Indiana for our company. And uh, two of my three children uh, work for me, adult children, and uh, two of their spouses. So it's a family business through and through. Uh, Graduated from Pendleton Heights High School, uh, went to Anderson University, uh, graduated with honors in three and a half years, Two majors, accounting and computer science. Uh, before I graduated uh, college, I uh, married my high school sweetheart and had bought two houses, and I paid for my own college. So I'm I've got the work ethic, uh, you know, to to get things done, and I think I have the temperament to be a senator. I know how to bring people together. <laughs> I know how to, you know, so often we see people that uh, when they get into politics, they either have a linguine spine and, and no courage, or uh, they're so firm and rigid that they don't listen to anybody. And so um, I get a real thrill out of uh, making new friends along campaign trails. I've been a school board member, a county councilman. Uh, one particular story that I really uh, enjoy sharing is I'm out. <clears throat> looking for sign locations and uh, my county council campaign. And uh, there was a, a Democrat that uh, led me to uh, to one of his friends. And he said, you know, this guy will support some Republicans. And, and you know, I think uh, he knows me. He dropped my name. So I go into his, his shop and, you know, I'm six foot three. I'm a pretty tall guy. Uh, and I'm looking at this guy's chin, you know, <laughs> and he's got arms as big as a tree trunk. And so I, I said, uh, you know, I thought, uh, you know, my friend mentioned his name, said uh, might be able to help me with some yard sign location. He said, well, I, you heard wrong. You know? <laughs> and he says, uh, I don't approve at all what you're doing on that county council, but he's, he'd really laid me he, out. He knew what was going on. He just yeah. didn't like you. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> so anyway, long story short, I said, well, hey, look, this is your place of business. I'm happy to leave if you want want me to, but uh, I'd be happy to stay and listen to your criticisms of me and, and see what I can learn. So he, he went in and let him completely unwind, and he had been given a lot of false information, and I shared with him what was really going on, and he looked at me and said, well, you've got to get that message out. He said, listen, i got friends that come up here for donuts on Thursday mornings. I want you to come and talk to them, and I'll get you a signed location here, and I'll get you one of my sisters. And Anyway, I share that story just to, to let folks know that 
uh, I know how to listen, I know how to take criticism, and I enjoy making friends with people that may not uh, be a supporter to start off. All right. Let's, uh, let's hear from uh, Dave Cravens. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, from Henry County to give me this opportunity to speak to you. Uh, Henry County has a special place in my heart. Uh, my wife's family lives in Software Springs. Uh, me and my wife met in Newcastle, lived right here on Broad Street in a one-bedroom apartment with a fell-down futon for several years. Um, I'm part of Henry County. I'm part of the hardworking middle class, uh, just like Henry County. Uh, I've worked for the United Food and Worker Commercial Union uh, in a meatpacking plant. I've worked for the Carpenters Union. I've worked for the Teamsters Union. Uh, I'm a professional firefighter. I'm part of the Firefighters Union. Uh, my tenure as an executive for Coca-Cola, I was in charge of business plan and strategy. One of my most noble uh, projects was the Coca-Cola NASCAR team. Uh, spent many years there. Uh, started my first business in 1993 with $10,000 in a credit card and grew to a chain of nutrition stores. Uh, over the last decade, I've developed several uh, commercial real estate properties. But my most honorable uh, job for the citizens and taxpayers of the community is serving as fire chief. Uh, I know as fire chief, I got to provide payroll, equipment, services uh, to the community and make no excuses and be prepared uh, when people call 911. Uh, if I'm blessed and if I'm elected, I will work on things in Henry County and be here and be part of Henry County and be noticeable and work on our schools, our roads, not raise taxes, uh, our infrastructure and job creation, our broadband, uh, and, and bring good working middle class jobs back to our community and be accountable for uh, Henry County and be visible. Uh, I think that if you're a senator, you should be transparent, you should be accessible to your people. Uh, I believe that we should have an advocate office in each of our three counties that we represent, that if it's only open at least one day a week, be an extension of our people. Uh, people want to see your, your, your senators and your representative. That's what they pay tax dollars for. So if I'm blessed, I will work on those issues and be accountable um, and make other people accountable for their actions at State House also. So I, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to you. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to run for office. It's been a unique experience. Uh, and thank you so much. I'll work hard for you so you guys can work hard again. Thank you. All right. And uh, Greg Nolan. Hey, I'm real excited to be here in Henry County. Uh, in 1971, I was uh, the presiding officer of uh, the Order of De Malay in Anderson. And uh, they asked uh, our organization to come and establish the Order of De Malay here in, uh, in Newcastle. And we were, we were real excited to do it. I think there were 52 young men that we took in that day. And it was really exciting. So I'm, I'm happy to be back here. Again, my name's Greg Nolan. I'm married to Reverend Ann. And yes, I am a, a preacher's husband. <laughs> and <laughs> we have, we've been blessed with four children. And uh, they're all married. Uh, they all own their own homes. They all graduated from college. Most of them have postgraduate degrees. So we're just proud of punches of them. They've They've all blessed us with grandchildren, so uh, we live a very blessed life. Um, uh, I went to uh, General Motors Institute, which is now called Kettering University. It's probably one of the hardest colleges to graduate from in the country. It requires 180 credits to graduate, and you have to write a thesis like a master's thesis. So um, I'm, really proud of, I'm really proud of that, just getting through that, <laughs> that, uh, that sheepskin. Yeah. Um, I'm a a former plant superintendent of uh, Fort Wayne Foundry. I also worked in advanced engineering for Delphi, and I'm currently 
a uh, senior engineer for Ford Meter Box in Wabash. Um, I'm active in my church and held lots of uh, offices and stuff, uh, deacon and all those things. I'm currently uh, on the ruling elder uh, right now. Um, I enjoy working with youth. I told you I was uh, the DMLA experience when I was younger. And uh, uh, so for the last 40-some years, I've been an advisor for the Order of DMLA in Anderson. And uh, at one point, uh, one year, I was uh, nominated and received Indiana Advisor of the Year for that organization. So that was a great, great honor to to do that. So um, why I... Um, why I ran? Um, I want to help people. You know, I, I, I've been sitting back and, and seeing the laws in Indiana, and they're passing so many of them, and so many of them aren't making sense, and they're hurting people. And I think with my manufacturing and management and, and, and engineering experience that I can help bring some common sense to the laws in Indiana and so that they'll stop hurting people. Uh, laws that make sense, laws that uh, solve problems, and that's why I'm running for office. All right, mm-hmm. and I, I guess I wanted the the number one reason for Dave and Mike as well. Your number one motivating factor to run for the state senate. What was what's your number one driving issue that said, hey, you know what, this is the year I'm going to run? Well, I think I serve my community well, but I think I could be a better advocate for my community and have better policies for the state. Um, All right, and Mike. Uh, I've been a good friend of Doug Eckerty's for uh, a long time and uh, helped in his, some of his campaigns in the past. And I told Doug, uh, you know, I'm happy to have you as my state senator, but if you ever think that you might retire, let me know because I'd like to take a stab at it. And uh, he thought he'd probably go uh, three terms or so and then decided that he'd go two instead. So I had to get ready a little earlier. It was a surprise. <laughs> it was a surprise, yeah. But I, I want to make sure – that we continue to move Indiana forward, um, create more jobs, uh, you know, put a, a low tax environment, low regulation environment where businesses can thrive. And uh, I want people to make more money. I want there to be so many employment opportunities out there that uh, the employers have trouble finding people to fill them. All right. Well, that's <laughs> that's honestly in Delaware County now, the employer I'm at that. You know, wages are going up. It, it's been this, the, you know, it, if, you, if you can find somebody that can pass a drug test and, and can show up to work on time, you, you pretty well can have a job. But it's, you know, in the manufacturing <laughs> side, it is, it is a struggle. You, we had a job fair this last summer and had probably 25 or 30 people come through. And we had, I think, we, this, at this point now in November, zero of those people are working for us because they just couldn't, couldn't get, make it work. Um, anyway. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, some of our questions and the issues. Uh, I, I guess the first thing that I had on here was that back in July there was some uh, anti-Semitic uh, uh, graffiti that showed up and in Carmel at a synagogue. Um, it was a it was a giant swastika on a on this synagogue's uh, dumpster on the walls surrounding their dumpster. Seems like right after that, uh, Governor Eric Holcomb came out and some other state legislators came out and said that we as a state need to catch up to the times is what they said and and introduce some hate crime legislation some hate crime laws to uh, more harshly punish these folks um my first question is is that uh indiana being one of five states that doesn't have hate crime legislation is that something that you would support uh we'll start with you mike 
Am I going to start first every time? No. <laughs> or just, no you're okay. not. <laughs> Wait, so the, the, the interesting format about this show is we're conversational. So this, yeah. we're not going to have a clock. It's going to, we're going to make sure everybody gets enough time to talk. Um, so, I, you know, the order, if you want, you know, if you want to pass and then you no, can start with Greg, I'm, that's fine. I'm too. happy to, <laughs> uh, I'm happy, I'm happy to, to weigh in on, but, uh, it's not something that has been, uh, on my radar. Uh, I, I'm not sure that it makes anybody's uh, life better, but if, if, if I'm elected and there's legislation introduced, then I'm going to, uh, look at it carefully, weigh it out. See exactly what it says because, you know, sometimes the devil is in the details. You can talk about a particular topic and we need this legislation or that legislation. And then when you see the actual language, it, it can uh, it can either be good or be bad. And I think legislation is kind of like uh, medicine, as you heard me say in, in Middletown uh, a week or two ago, that uh, there are side effects. And you have to decide, is the problem that this is going to fix – um, you know, does that outweigh what the side effects are? So I'd have to, I'd have to see it, but <clears throat> generally speaking, uh, you know, I think there's, there's already laws on the books that make things like that illegal, yep. uh, even federal laws that are probably stiffer than a lot of state penalties. Uh, let's hear from Greg. I agree a lot with, with Mike, what Mike's saying there. Uh, and I've been saying this for some time, uh, some of my worries is, is that uh, the language could be in such a way that it could reverse itself on a lot of the minority groups that uh, we are uh, actually trying to protect with this legislation. And uh, instead of uh, people uh, that are uh, being targeted, like you've got here with this uh, synagogue and, and synagogue, synagogue <laughs> in Carmel. Um, that it, you'll end up with a minority person that says something whitey or cracker or something like that, and then they're going to be, you know... Uh, and then they're punished under then, the full extent of hate crime legislation. Yes, right. And, and, and so I have concerns about that. So I, like Mike, I would, I would have to read this legislation very closely and make sure that that kind of thing wouldn't be flipped. I, I was reading the other day in, uh, in North Carolina... Uh, a bunch of uh, minorities tore down a statue of uh, Robert E. Lee. Well, that could be considered a hate crime, you know, and those kids could be punished, you know, far beyond what, you know, I think would be logical in that particular case. So we just have to watch and be careful. All right. And Dave? Sure. I think that we should have some type of hate crime. I think that we should have social equality in outside the workplace. But uh, I also think people should be judged on merit, not race, color, or gender. But as these guys have said, the legislation has to be correct, has to be right, because what they're trying to do some, in some cases is take the, a level five felon to a level four felon, and you could have one person commit the same crime and, and, and each person be, be charged differently. And, and so with the proper legislation to where they're not treating people differently with the same crime, uh, I think it's a good thing. Anytime we can increase the quality of our state, uh, we're not an attractive state. We're 48th quality, quality of life. And, and I think we've got to make our state more attractive. And uh, we're only five states. Uh, there are a lot of federal and, and local laws, uh, but a lot of them are tied up in brick and mortar. And uh, just like our tax codes, we need to simplify those so we can get more government projects done. So um, you're listening to Boss Hog Liberty Podcast on the We Are Libertarians Network. Uh, we have uh, Mike Gaskell, Greg Nolan, and Dave uh, 
Dave Cravens. I almost said Dave Ring. You beat Dave Ring already. <laughs> uh, Dave, Dave was on with us in the in the spring, uh, and we, we're talking about the uh, state senate district. Is it twenty six? Is that correct? Yes. State, yep. state senate district twenty six race. Um, you, Dave mentioned jails and and you know the the level of facilities, you know, level four, level fives. Uh, in my race for county council, I've really had this jail issue come come to me at, in a in a county level uh, race uh, because there were some changes to criminal justice codes that said, hey, level sixes are going to stay at the county level now. Um, a couple of years ago, the uh, I guess it was this year, uh, House Bill 1263 was signed into law, which said that the counties to try to over to out to deal with this overcrowding that's come from the level sixes, they said, hey, we can raise the local income taxes in the counties. Um, I guess I want I want to know from each of you, is that this type of solution that you want to see for the counties? Do you want Randy Fry is introducing a bill here in a couple of weeks. Uh, he, he's announced it, but I guess it'll, it'll come in January, uh, assuming Randy gets uh, gets to go back. The um, that would deal with a regional jail model uh, inside of your district here, Henry County and Delaware County are both actively in jail projects. And I, I apologize. I don't know about Madison County. If Madison County is, is okay or if they're if they're fighting it, but we're I know Hancock is all as well. Three counties are in the same position. We're yeah. so, so they're all they're all struggling <coughs> with this. And Mike, you've served on a on a county council, so you're you're coming from both sides of this, I'm sure. Um, and your your bride is going to be a county commissioner potentially. So you you really you know there, there's all all these different factors here. I guess I want your feel for the relationship between the states and the counties with these jails and what the proper solution is because the. At least when I got into this race as a county council candidate, it really wasn't being talked about, and it was being—it was a county by county issue. And the more I've looked at it, I've said, "Man, this is happening in about eighty counties across the state." So now's the time to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. So I, we'll start with Dave. Sure. Um, well, this problem started many years ago, and it's actually started with the Just Reinvestment Reinvestment Plan, and it's House Bill ten thousand six, and that was under Mitch Daniels. And what they did, they tried to take a level six felon and not put them in the Department of Corrections to put them in local jails. Then all of a sudden, within 18 months, 80% of all your jails had overcrowding. And, and so that's where it started now, uh, but without any funding. And so... Uh, so, yeah, so Daniel's declassified or reclassified, which it's filled the local jails. The solution was Bill 1263, which was to allow the counties to raise taxes so mm-hmm. they can increase, just yeah. for clarification. And what... So they exactly. can create more capacity. And on your House Bill 1263, they imposed an ordinance to impose a fee of 0.25% tax and to build a regional jail. And there's, you know, so how, one, you know, how will they fund that? Two, you know, how many miles are you going to take a police officer out of that area, out of that county, to drive to be incarcerated? And if you think about it, so you're going to take those level six, so you're not going to send them to the Department of Correction, you're not going to send them to local county jails, so you're creating another jail. Who, who's funding and who's paying for that? Uh, and then you've got to buy land. Uh, you got infrastructure costs still uh, versus adding on to buildings. So there's a lot of information. I know Mr. Fry, he's a retired firefighter um, on, the, on the floor. Uh, I've read the whole bill today. And so they need to do something. But this problem has engroded roots for almost 10 years now, and they've not done anything properly to fund it or fix the problems. And one of the things I think they need to do is have better uh, – there used to be a problem, a uh, thing called uh, – jail chemical and, and uh, addiction programs and they were supposed to do that to keep people out of jail out of being incarcerated and, and out of prison 
and the funny money was supposed to come back to local municipalities for Delaware County, Madison County, and Henry County, and, and it's called JCAP, and, and they use it in uh, one of the, I think Dearborn County, and uh, uh, they're not using that program effectively, and so they keep dumping on the small municipalities and counties and stuff, and uh, but we got to have proper funding, and uh, our drug problem is, is spilled over into our streets and stuff. Uh, we got to get the drugs off the streets. We got to get these people help and, and quit the overcrowding of the jails. Uh, I would, as a state senator, I would, you know, I would definitely pass a bill that would give extra funding there. Uh, it depends on how the money and how the budget was going to go because I'm not for raising taxes. Um, but it had to be a, the proper legislation because, again, we're saving money. When they originally did this bill, uh, 1006, it was saving money for the Department of Corrections. But all they did was dump all the money and the funding on local county jails. The burden, the burden went to the counties at that yeah, point. Exactly. All right. Let's hear from Greg. That's, a, that's exactly right, Dave. I mean, uh, and uh, you know, the, the state caused this problem upon almost all the counties in Indiana. There's some that had just built new jails that are in good shape right now. They're actually making money in some of those counties by, by, by yeah, by by other counties that basically renting space. That's exactly to send right. Inmates. <laughs> so, so it's just created a mess, and and then you've got the people that are relatives and wives and husbands of these people that are incarcerated. Now they got to travel over the state to to see their loved ones. You know, so it just created a, a, a terrible mess here. The, the state did. Again, I talked earlier that the state causes all these problems. They don't think about. You know the end game on a lot of this stuff. You know, and uh, this is a problem that is caused in every county in the state. Uh, I think Representative Fry's um, is is attempting to make some kind of uh, halfway uh, resolution to this problem with this legislation, as I as I read it. As a libertarian, I think we've got way too many people in jails anyway. We need to be looking at, uh, you know, some of our drug laws, especially we talked about, we'll talk about it here later on about marijuana. But, you know, three-fourths of our people in our prison are there for drugs or drug-related problems. I mean, so we need to look at, uh, you know, reducing our people that are in jail. I mean, America's, uh, um, you know, supposed to be the land of the free, and we have 5% of the world's population, yet we have 25% of the world's people incarcerated. So we incarcerate way too many people for a country that's supposed to be free. So I think we need to be, instead of be spending money on jails, we need to be spending money on, on getting people out of prisons and not criminalizing everybody. So uh, that would be my how I would try to talk to the Senate in terms of solving this problem. All right. Mike Gaskell. Yeah, we've had overcrowding problems in our jail, and I've dealt with it uh, as a county councilman. One of the things that we found was contributing to that is out of our six courts, one court was responsible for one-third of the jail population, and we had almost 100 inmates that were, if they had $500 and could bail themselves out, they would have been out awaiting trial. And so, uh, you know, you've got to look at creative solutions and you've got to have everybody coming to the table and contributing. And since 
some of the different county officials in Madison County uh, brought that to light. That particular court has done a much better job of uh, moving cases through. So were those yeah. w w Henry County's talked about bringing an expediter in uh, to to kind of be an advocate for people that are in in the system. Uh, what did they do specifically? Did they did the the judge made some changes or did they did they did it change the the bail process what was what was the yeah, key they, to, to reducing the population there were there was a uh, an ordinance in place in the county that allowed uh, certain offenders low-level offenders to be released on their own recognizance if they met certain criteria and so that that was one of the tools that they used but they, they kind of attacked it from several different different angles so, so what do you see as the state's role in this do you the, well, the Randy Fry model or well I think regional jails uh, you know making another option out there for counties to use is good uh, you probably wouldn't want to necessarily dictate that but you know to me I think you get some economies of scale if if three counties were able to share the expenses of one jail uh, obviously you're going to have some some cost savings you might have some uh, transportation issues and and other things to to look at but i think when when the state legislature gives more options to local government that's a good thing yeah. all right dakota yeah you're going to ask me about this no I, what I, do i think the state's i'll, I'll pass the baton to you i could i could talk <laughs> about jails this has become my project like, i've been learning about this and it's been yeah it has yeah. been really interesting to see and and our the our sheriff's department here does it does well with the resources that they have available to them um our county council also do, and commissioners also do a good job of trying to implement programs but it, it at the same time it seems kind of like their hands are tied and i i really do i all of you guys had really good answers to that question, in my opinion. Um, going off of what Greg was talking about, uh, we're going to move on to marijuana and hemp legalization. So we're, 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 oh, okay. <laughs> I just think that one of the key things, besides getting the drugs off the streets, having more resources and rehab places for our families to get those helps and get off the streets and keep them out of the jails, which will cut down some of the crowding of the jails and at the state level and at local levels. You know, and we don't have enough resources. They treat it like it's a fire and police problem, and it's more than a fire and police problem, and it keeps going on and on, and it's growing, and it's, and it's festering. What, in my time running for this, the council seat, I almost view it as, as levels or stages of, of the amount of time you need to spend in a county jail. You know, if you're awaiting sentencing or if you're awaiting trial, then, yeah, it makes sense to be close to the courthouse. But once you have been sentenced or you're going to be in the facility for six months or a year or a year and a half, at that point, the regional jail model makes sense to me. Uh, or going back and having a relationship with the Department of Corrections, where the people just go to the state facility, and that you know there are beds waiting there. Um, you know, I, it's a horror story from the county level of the you know Vigo County's got a federal lawsuit, Henry County's looking at a federal lawsuit. You've got guys that are sleeping in in not in in jail cells, but they're they're sleeping on on the floor, or and, they're sleeping and, they're and sleeping cots in, that are lining the walls. Yeah, and yeah. And, and they're on the uh, you know they're in. Uh, debrief rooms. I mean, that aren't even six feet, in, you know, across. Yeah. They're, they're, it's yeah. I think society incredible. is changing as well, and that, I think that's contributing uh, to our overcrowding problem. Is that we're it's not the same uh, world that uh, we grew up in. You guys look a little bit younger than us, but <laughs> um, but uh, Dave and Greg and I uh, have all known each other mm -hmm. for years before we uh, got into this contest and. 
and have mm-hmm. lived in the same community and uh and I think they would probably agree that it's it's not the same you know we we have uh more crime and I think drugs one area where I might differ a little bit with Greg is that, that I think that that drugs are a lot of the problem I think it's a lot of problem uh, uh, the theft that we see in our communities a lot of the other crime are is the result of drug abuse and an, with a family member a close family member that's a police officer and worked in drug enforcement he's told me several stories about people coming up to him out in the public when he's off duty and thanking him for sending them to prison because they would have never gotten off drugs if they hadn't uh, done some time in prison so you know it's bad for somebody to be in prison it's it's a it's a disappointing thing but uh sometimes it's the only way to help someone all right yeah so going off of that uh with marijuana and hemp legalization uh you talked on it a little bit so we're going to start with you greg uh would you support the legalization of hemp and also uh house bill number 1137 was uh uh, it sought to legalize hemp in the state of Indiana. It passed through the House with flying collars, but it hit a roadblock in the Senate whenever uh, Governor Holcomb uh, mentioned that he right. had some objections. Yep. So I guess at one point, do you support legalization, mm-hmm. uh, medical or recreational, and also would you have voted to approve hemp if, you, if that had been you in the Senate? Yes, well, and this is one of my uh, my big campaign issues that I'm working on this year is uh, – is the legalization, especially of medical marijuana. Uh, I've been in contact with uh, uh, veterans for the legalization of cannabis, and uh, they have been working with the the veterans organizations throughout the state of Indiana, and all of these veteran organizations have written petitions to the state legislature and to the governor requesting that medical marijuana be legalized. So the veterans are all behind the legalization of, of medical marijuana, and I think it's a horror. And it was, they just, uh, it just failed a, a study committee to come out of a study committee here recently, and it's just horrible that, that, that these, these uh, veterans of ours that uh, have PTSD and, and these kind of ailments that are not going to be able to avail themselves to medical cannabis uh, coming up. Uh, and going forward, you know, um, with the legalization of recreational marijuana, I mean, you know, I, I've told you, you know, I've got backgrounds in, 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 in masonry and, and I'm very active in my church and stuff like that. And, you know, these guys have talked about we need to get drugs off the streets, you know. Well, I'm tired of it. I mean, for 50 years now, I've been hearing the war on drugs and we're losing the war on drugs, you know, and it just doesn't make any sense anymore. I mean... Our great-grandparents, when we had problems with alcohol, realized that it was causing corruption and theft and, and, and all these terrible things to our society. And they said, let's get this stuff off the street and get it inside of drugstores where we can keep it away from our young people because they'll have to go into the drugstore and say, young man, let me see your ID, you know. And I think if we're going to stop it at all or if we're going to get our arms around it, we've got to get it to where it's legalized so we can regulate it, keep it away from young people, take the criminality out of it. Because, I mean, people are shooting people up for bad drug deals all the time. We, and Anderson especially is very bad right now. 
with all these drug deals going bad. A number of people have been shot and killed because of these drug deals. If it was been, if it was in a drugstore, those people would be still alive, you know. And it's just horrendous. Let's, um, uh, let's, let's hear from Dave on the issue. Okay, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm for supporting legalized marijuana. Uh, I do have a support group with a fire department with post-traumatic syndrome, and, and my dad's a retired, uh, not retired, but... Uh, Re- uh, support... Medical or recreational or all of the above? What, what, what? Well, a support, a support group for post-traumatic syndrome. Okay. And, uh, you know, I would support the legalization of uh, medical marijuana. Uh, you know, my dad's a ex-Vietnam vet, Agent Orange cancer survivor, and I know a lot of vets. Um, and I think that it's, it's time to uh, – it should be accessible to them. And I think it's, if we could legalize it with proper legislation – and, and actually use the revenues for drug rehab centers, resources to get people off the other drugs. Mm-hmm. If it's utilized that way, uh, I think that would be something that I would definitely consider and go in with eyes wide open. Uh, and would I vote to approve the hemp uh, if I was in, on the Senate? Yes. So what? Uh, when, they, when Curtis Hill uh, banned, banned that, you know, had all these kids that was on this seizure list. That was CBD. CBD oil. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and, you know, it was a knee-jerk reaction. And then it took them three or four months, and then they approved it with 0.3%. And uh, I just think we need to have the proper legislation and do things in the right way. And, and uh, you know, good government is good governance. And, and uh, uh, I'd be going eyes wide open. All right. On the recreational side, I know that uh, Pendleton, I think just this week, their town council said no. They, they were, I guess they had a statement against any recreational marijuana in the future. Uh, do you have a, a view on that side as well, or, or just for now you're yeah. medicinal only? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see the, hear that or see that, so I don't know much about what the statement was. Okay. So, um, yeah. But recreational, yes, no. Re- recreational, if it was uh, legalized uh, with a proper legislation and the money could be used for resources for okay. get people off the opioids and other drugs, yes, I would right. definitely go in with eyes wide open with a proper legislation. Okay. All right. And Mike, I guess it's a it's a menu. I I, I, <laughs> I figured this out. This is a three part question, so I'll let you talk about the whole yeah. the whole list. Well, uh, it's a, I know it's a core Republican issue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you guys, when, when you become a legislator, you're going to see a variety of topics uh, that, that legislation will be about. And there's bound to be many that you're either not an expert in or know very little about. And this is one that I know about zero. Hey, I'm a big nerd. I don't even drink. You know, I've, I've, I don't know about you guys. I've never uh, used any illegal drugs in my life. I've never smoked marijuana. Don't know anything about it. Uh, so uh, if I win and take this seat, more than likely some something along this line is going to find its way to the floor. As long as, as long as Jim Lucas is still in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I know Jim. And, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, it's in the Summer uh, Study Committee. It's not, yeah. this, you know, this isn't a theoretical so, question. It seems like it's coming right. down the pike in this next right. term. So it would be what I want to share with you is my philosophy. Uh, basically, uh, number one, you should do no harm. Uh, number two, if you have legislation on a topic that you don't know much about, you're going to have to educate yourself. And you're going to have to make sure that you talk to people that uh, on both sides of an issue and get a complete view of all sides. And so uh, I would be very, very leery about recreational marijuana. I just uh, 
I think, you know, if you've got young children, are you going to be a good parent if you've been smoking up, you know, and, and, and uh, are, are you going to take proper care of your kids? Um, in states where, uh, you know, I mentioned to you before the show that I'm an insurance agent, uh, in states where uh, marijuana has been legalized, the number of traffic accidents uh, have increased. There's some pretty sobering statistics, if I could use that word. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, do you you look at uh, employment opportunities? If recreational marijuana becomes legal, then, uh, you know, are you going to that doesn't necessarily mean that employers have to hire people that test right. positive it's a, for right. drugs. It's yeah. a voluntary association, right? right. Just, you yeah. know, even if even if the so. state said no, we, we're not going to allow this. You know, it, it, General Motors. It, it, General Motors is obviously a big employer in this area. At one time, General Motors could still have a policy, policy that says, "Well, if you can't pass this test or these are expectations we have of you, then you're not going to have a relationship with R- us." Right. You know. Right. So even even if the state got out of the way, there are still other barriers of employment. Right. So generally speaking, you know, one area where I kind of uh, am, am with the libertarians that generally speaking, I I want to see freedom and liberty. I'm a constitutionalist. Um, and and I think you ought to be free to pursue happiness in your own way, as long as you're uh, not infringing on somebody else's freedom or liberty. And you know this is an issue that I'm just not going to stake out uh, a position one way or the other right now until I learn more about it. But if but I will say this: if uh, if you're a voter that is this is your number one issue, then I think Greg Nolan is your candidate. All right, so. and then the the industrial hemp on the ag side. <laughs> I'll just be honest yeah, about I'll it. You know. that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, the industrial hemp. Yeah, that's that's another area. I've done some research on that in, in uh, preparing for the show, and uh, it it appears that there are some uh, valuable industrial uses uh, for hemp, and with the proper. Uh, Controls. One of the things that I've, in my research that I learned that they uh, were concerned about is that, that if something like that were uh, allowed, that there would need to be a, a permit process and and uh, GPS coordinates on the on the field, you know, and and no marijuana, you know, grown in in that field. So, yeah, I, I would look at that. Yeah, we had a really interesting episode uh, about a month ago, Dakota, with Donya Lester, who came in, and she yep. was speaking with about Purdue University and the School of Ag and the hemp farms that they have there. And and basically the, the big issue that they have um, is that the state seed commissioner, the reason Indiana is kind of as a bottleneck is the federal government has, has their prohibition on it, uh, and then it feeds back to the state seed commissioner who is uh, on staff at Purdue by statute that we don't have a – we don't elect an agriculture secretary in Indiana. It goes back yeah. to a university employee, and they're fearful of losing federal costs. So I think that's one of the major bottlenecks we have in and Indiana that was, right that now. was something that we heard from our own state senator, uh, mm. Jean Lysing. Whenever we, whenever we asked her, we didn't have her on the show, but asked her personally what, about the, the industrial hemp, and she had mentioned that, but I didn't know. And I, I really think if you're interested in learning more about how like the industrial hemp works and the process that it would have to go through in Indiana, then listen to Donnie Lester because that uh, that was totally eye opening for me. I had no idea. Uh, yeah, I, I really do. Uh, I don't know. It, it, 
I think that it's coming down the pipeline a, a lot sooner than what uh, anybody really is anticipating right now. It's, it's already been legalized in Canada. Nationwide. There. Nationwide. And I just read an article where in Mexico the, the Supreme Court has declared that uh, they can't uh, across the board declare marijuana uh, illegal. Um, so um, on both sides of our border we may have, you know, availability. To it's almost like Indiana. <laughs> so we're practically surrounded. Let's, let's pivot. Let's pivot to education. That's the, the last major topic that we had, uh, we had advertised on the show this evening. Um, and it's it's definitely one as as we've we've all been attending these candidate forums this fall, and a lot of times we get paired with the school boards, uh, and we hear the same issues. Uh, we hear that you know schools will hire a teacher, but they can't teach keep a teacher. the The teacher salaries are dropping. Uh, you know they're losing they're losing students. Money's following students, and they're they're struggling with with old footprints that don't have the headcount they used to, especially in this part of the state. Uh, we'll start with Mike, and and just the state's role in public education and, you know, some of these rural school districts particularly, um, you know, Blue River would be in your district, and that's one that's really struggled with, with lower enrollment and potentially has had talks of combining with other districts. Um, mm-hmm. What do you see as the future for public education in Indiana? I think it's going to have to prepare students for the jobs of today and tomorrow, not uh, the world that – that. Uh, that I and, and these fellows grew up in. I think it's a little, it's gotten behind. So, um, and let me just briefly say when it comes to teacher salaries, that's a school board issue. It's not, I don't think we want the state legislature determining what teacher salaries are. That The school boards uh, set those salaries and and they should have the flexibility to do what makes sense for their district. I visited Blue River and uh, the uh, ag students had a breakfast and uh, I was really impressed with their agriculture program at Blue River. And uh, yeah, we have it was two just, absolutely great for FFA programs in, in your district in Henry County, both Shenandoah mm-hmm. and Blue River. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but probably the biggest issue that I have with education is that we gear too much of our resources towards just the students that are going to college. And we need plumbers, welders, carpenters, et cetera, et cetera. And when I was on the school board in in Pendleton, South Madison schools, when the budget got tight, that was the first area that some of the board members and and the superintendent at the time uh, wanted to cut. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they decided to close the auto mechanics program, uh, I was outvoted six to one on that. So what I would like to see is a reemphasis on skilled trades, uh, technical occupations. And we spend a lot of money on education. We need to channel a little bit more of that um, towards students going into skilled trades and technical positions and you know local school boards may have to start uh taking a different approach instead of treating everybody the same you know per a union contract you you may have to come to the realization that you know what my uh, chemistry teacher um, might have to be paid a little higher salary in order to keep him going to uh, eli Lilly, or my high-level math instructors may have to be paid a little bit higher salary than some of the other 
disciplines in order to keep him from you know going into uh, engineering or manufacturing. So. Uh, yeah, and and yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up the the uh, skilled trades and and those things here in Henry County. We have the the our students here have the opportunity to take advantage of the Newcastle Career Center, and it is. I went through it whenever I was in high school. Um, I didn't know whenever I was a junior and a senior in high school. I had no idea what I wanted to go to college for. I just knew that that's what everybody had been telling me my entire life. And then I went through the building trades program. I'm like, whoa, I really like working with my hands. I should maybe look at this a little bit more. And it, I start telling everybody, and school counselors like, hey, you know, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go up to the Muncie uh, Electrical Union and get an education there. And they're like, whoa, you can't do that. That No, <laughs> you're too smart to not go to college. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I just don't know what I want to do, and that's a huge waste of money. But around every single corner and every single person I talked to, it was like I was making the biggest mistake of my entire life. And I think that it's really a good thing. I, I agree. We, we have a career center like that uh, in the district uh, in Elwood, and they're doing phenomenal things up there. Students are actually getting jobs right out of high school running CNC uh, machines. And, and it's just, it was really eye-opening for me because, you know, when I was a student, the industrial arts area is where uh, the guidance counselors sometimes tried to dump the troublemakers. And, <laughs> yeah, and it shouldn't be that way. Well, that's exactly. what my mom and dad said whenever I, I told them I wanted to do building trades. They're like, no, that's not for you. I'm like, <laughs> they You're said, not they a said criminal, Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's hear from Dave Cravens on, it, on, the, on the education issue. Well, funding, state funding, and I'm going to go back to one of the statements I made in the past is you know the property tax caps. And I'm not talking about raising taxes, but... One of the things they did, people forget about, they went from 6% sales tax to 7% sales tax to swear up some of that funding. And when communities like Mass County lost $14 million, Delaware lost $13 million, and Henry County lost somewhere between 8 and $9 million. And, and the problem you get into, especially in Henry County, is that the, the urban, the suburban, and rural areas, the formulas they use to fund those, some of them get rewarded, some of them don't get as much as they should. So they really don't, the state hasn't really figured out how to properly fund these schools. And, and, and with the teachers... They, they got to quit treating these teachers like a scapegoat. They need to bring back and give them the respect and dignity for a, an honest, good, honorable career. Um, you know, I think that uh, uh, if we had a proper funding, it wouldn't, wouldn't it really be nice to have a really great public schools where you didn't need all these other schools, that our public schools are so good that you didn't need all these other schools, but they're, but they're not. And, and uh, you know, we need more innovations in the school. Uh, uh, we need a teacher to be treated fair or a fair salary. They're making the same salary they made in 1999. Uh, it's it's not getting it done. I don't believe that we should be cutting funding to public schools. Uh, I'm not for or against vouchers. Uh, I am concerned about the virtual online schools, uh, that there's not enough regulation, legislation on that. Uh, who is teaching these kids online? What diploma? Uh, what background do they have? Uh, I have concerns with that. Uh, but we we got to get back to the grassroots. These kids uh, getting these educations are the success of our economy. And, and we should also have a education program in Indiana, when they go to college, they come out with a, 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 a $100,000 school loan. And they also should have the skilled trades and stuff. And they broke a lot of the unions that used to offer those skilled trade and apprenticeship jobs. Uh, not even my son went to college for 16 days and cost me $16,000, and I'm still complaining <laughs> about it. Uh, you know, it's just not good. Our, our school system, we're not making progress in Indiana. You go back 10 years, and, and our roads aren't 
increasing, our schools aren't increasing, our public safety is not increasing. Uh, so uh, the funding, uh, and I know half the budget from the state goes for school funding, but you got to have the right appropriations in the right area, and this stuff should be budgeted for every single year. I mean, some of these deteriorated jails, same thing. You can't wait till you don't let your house deteriorate where you got a, b a bunch of money into it. This stuff should be a, a line-item budget, and it should be planned and budgeted appropriate pro properly, and it should be more transparency. Uh, we wouldn't have the lottery money. What happened to the lottery money? Let's go for our schools and roads. What, what happened to it? You know, what happened to the toll roads for our roads? Um, this stuff is, is not getting done, and we're not making progress in Indiana, and our kids are paying for it, and so is our teachers. Uh, one of the biggest problems at the State House, um, you had – Linda Ritz, and, and they didn't like it because she, she got elected. And, and at some point, they're either going to be appointed or they're going to be elected, and that's going to change legislation here pretty soon. They the keep superintendent of public construction right. seat. Exactly, exactly. Had Linda Ritz, they wanted to re reduce her power, so he made another committee. Now you got got Dr. McCormick that is there and, and elected under the re Republicans, and she has to fight with the same committee, and the people are paying for it are your kids, your teachers, and your schools. And she's not even going to rerun for an office before. It's, it's a broken system, and it needs to be fixed, and we need to put our kids first. Our teachers need to be treated with respect and get back to the grassroots. You know, we want to bring, we want Indiana to be a more quality state with hate crimes and everything else and job creations, but we're not, we're not doing it, and we're not getting it done. Our kids need to be able to dream again, and, and it's got to start somewhere. How do, you, how do you think that we can retain teachers in the state? My sister is going to college to be an educator, and she, she got a, a scholarship uh, whenever she graduated high school, and it was a, a full-ride scholarship as long as she went for uh, elementary education. The only stipulation was, was that she had to stay in the state of Indiana for five years because this, the statistics show that a lot of our teachers are quitting their jobs within a five-year period and going somewhere else. So, well, I mean, you got you got classrooms are full of 30 kids, and, and you go to some of these other schools, there are 15 and 20 kids, the kids can get those attention in school, and then you get a classroom of 30 kids. Those teachers, we're not making them feel good about what they're doing. They're not going get, to get spend the time with the kids and, 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 and learn to appreciate the job that they're doing and knowing that they're making a difference with those kids. And so, again, they're, they're, they're making the, the teachers a scapegoat for our perf school performance. They're using it as a proxy uh, to gain power at the statehouse. And, and we need to put more power back into local uh, boards and make, people, make sure people who are running for those boards are qualified people and, 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 and give them more choices at the local level. Uh, we're not getting it done at the state level. All right, Greg, let's hear from you on, it, on public schools. Well, it's not. There's not one answer that's going to solve all these. There's a, there's a lot of problems. Um, we'll start with uh, retaining teachers is what you've got here on the first thing. I I had the opportunity to substitute teach for uh, for one semester at uh, at uh, Anderson High School, and uh, I got an eyeful and stuff. And some of the things that that goes on is, is that some of the new teachers have low seniority, so they give them uh, these, uh, the unwanted classes or the one of a kind classes. And I had one teacher, she had five different classes. So if you can imagine doing five different lesson plans every, every, every night, every day, you know, I, I mean, it's no wonder when they do that to your low seniority, uh, teachers that they, they're running away. So that's one problem that we need to be working on is, is, is helping that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing that I've noticed is the old parties are, the constitutionally, 
education is supposed to be nonpartisan. And what I've seen in the last 20 or 30 years is partisanship going into to this, and it's, and it's hurting our, our kids, you know. Um, Dave talked a little bit about, you know, when Linda Rich was down there and how the Republicans were doing everything to, to attack them, you know, her and stuff, and starting other committees and stuff like that. That's just ridiculous, you know. I mean, those, the old parties have got us in this problem, and, and it, partisan's not supposed to be part of our education system. We need nonpartisan people running our education system. I think a lot of the problems will start going away that way. Um, we do need to stand up and start funding teachers better. Um, that's a fact. Um, um, we, we've we've uh, not funded them well for a long time. So, we, you know, if you look at people who have similar levels of education, especially in the STEM areas, I mean, as an engineer, a STEM person can make a heck of a lot more money than a teacher can, you know. So if we really want the best people teaching our young people, we're going to have to stand up and Yeah, that was, and a, that that. was it's, one it, of my questions. I've, been ta- I've talked to both of these guys about the stuff that they've said. Um, Indiana spends, I think, it, right at half or just over half. About 54% of, 54% of the budget is on education. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, 54% of the, educa- of the budget goes towards education. Um, how, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of our budget that yep. goes towards education, but we keep having all these issues and teacher pay. How, what do you think we can do to, to help get the funding to the schools? Well, I think we need to, <laughs> there's a lot of things that we need to do. I mean, we, you know, Dave talked about the increase in, uh, in taxes for the school and the lottery for schools you know, that we had, that we was going to. And what happens down in the legislature is they spend that money on something else. You know, one of the things that Rex Bell, who was running for governor a couple of years ago, talked about was that we have all this money that's supposed to be assigned for roads, and you get down to the legislature, and they spend the money on other stuff. And then they come back to the public and go, well, your roads aren't any good anymore. You know, we need more money for your roads, even though we spent it on something else. You know, we need more money. So we need to be spending the money on education when we tell them it's going to be spent on education. And the same thing with roads. And I think we've done a little bit better in this last legislature on the road part. But we haven't done the same thing with, with uh, education. All right. Could I just tack on one thing? Jump on in there, Mike. You know, Dave has brought up the tax caps a lot as a, as a problem. But at least as it relates to education, you got to remember, uh, you know, I was a school board member when when those were enacted, and at the same time they put the caps on property taxes. They also removed a lot of things out of uh, the school's uh, general fund budget, as you know, from property tax, and and the state put more of it into the per student amount that the schools were getting. So. You know, every year I was on on the school board, we saw you know uh, more revenue than the previous year, and I've seen the same thing on the county council. Uh, that you know, it's Madison County has continued to receive more revenue each year than the than the year before, and I've signed a pledge that I will not vote for a tax increase. So that's something that people need to to know about me. And I, I disagree that the tax caps are a big problem. 
the tax caps are a result of local government not behaving, and we've had a history of local government getting out of hand with, and this goes back longer than any of us have been alive, but, but local government would get out of hand and property tax rates would get too high. The state would come in and try to, to do something to uh, make property tax rates reasonable again, and before you know it, local government had gotten out of hand again. So that's why we have the tax caps, because local government did not behave across the state. A lot of, a lot of those were driven by uh, capital projects for schools, if I remember correctly, in, in 10, 15 years ago, where you'd have a lot of buildings, new buildings going up, and then that drove the local property taxes up, and then people raised their hands and said, I can't take it. And that's where we got the yeah. one, two, and three yeah. percent caps. Yeah, in Anderson, in fact, we you know we had a declining student population in Anderson Community Schools, and they had closed a closed junior high, uh, and then uh, built a new elementary right beside it. I mean, it's wasted a lot of money on yeah. bricks and mortar that Dave, they didn't need to. Dave had his hand up. Well, <clears throat> the actual money that I spent per student is less in Indiana than it has been in a long time. And if you actually look it up, all four bordering states, we are fourth or fifth. All bordering states spend more money per student. I think they're $54 per student, and we're like $42 per student. So we're actually spending less and less per student. And, and so we're not funding the students. And, and I'm not saying the property caps, caps are all the problem, all the issues, but there's, they have to have proper funding for stuff. When the last 10 years your schools have not progressed, your roads have not progressed. There has been no job creation. The Indiana growth from August of 17 to August of 18 was 1.2%, which was ninth lowest in the United States, and non-agricultural growth was 10th lowest. So you're not getting job creation in Indiana. You're not getting roads paved. You're not getting your schools. You're not taking care of your teachers. This has been going on for 10 years. Did you not notice there's a third lane on I-69 now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've had those... And this goes right back to toll roads. We spent $3.8 billion of the out-of-state Spanish-Australian company, went bankrupt, hired by another company. That was supposed to pay for all these roads. During the election year of Mr. Pence, there was over 300 deteriorated bridges in Indiana. You should never have 300 deteriorated bridges in Indiana. Those should be budgeted every year. So many roads should be budgeted every single year, and so many bridges should be done every single year, and the proper funding for teachers and education should be there every single year. And when it ain't getting done, and it's not getting done, and, and the teachers and the hardworking middle class people are paying for it, the, the difference, the 1% is getting further and further away from the middle class. People are working two full-time jobs, and they're still on welfare, and they don't have money, and they're not getting the educations that they need to deserve. And it, it's a lot more, it's not getting fixed, it's getting further and further away. All right. I think since Mr. Obama left, we've seen a big uh, growth in our economy, and I think Indiana has participated in that. You know, to say there's no job creation is just wrong. Uh, you talked yeah. about having a hard time finding people to get getting jobs right now. Yeah. That's right. But, but it's it's frictional in unemployment. I think there's a lot of a lot of people that don't have the skills necessarily or aren't ready for some of the careers that are available. They have. Here's your problem. Here's your problem with the jobs. They're not good paying jobs. Okay, the union wage was sixteen dollars in September 1973. You figure inflation in a day is a dollar six more an hour with a double the economy. If it was good-paying jobs, you wouldn't have to have two 40-hour workweek jobs by the parents. Each parent's are working 40 hours working a week and still not making ends meet. They're not good-paying jobs based on the economy. You know, you can, there's a lot of jobs at McDonald's and Panda Express and Walmart, but there's not real job creations where people can work one job, have a stay-at-home parent, have two cars in that driveway. Those are the jobs that we had here in Henry County. 
with Chrysler and the union's jobs. We had those jobs here. And, and you had to educate. You didn't have any problem with education then, did we? There was no problem with education back then. You had the property. You didn't have all these voucher schools and virtual online schools. You had proper funding. You had those jobs here. And, and, and it's getting further and further away. The corporate, the corporate owners had money to buy bad politicians like a loaf of bread, and none of those tax incentives was for people here in Henry County to bring good-paying jobs back to Henry County. And we've seen the deteriorations. It's, it's not got done. All right. Well, we will leave the education topic there. We're getting, we're getting <laughs> more to the, the uh, economy. Aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we're covered at all. We're, we're getting to that point in the show well, where it, we probably do start to wrap like, up with our final thoughts. It seems thoughts. like to me, uh, <clears throat> and this one's not on the show notes, but it seems like to me that all these issues could be fixed if we could just get Amazon HQ2 <laughs> <laughs> yes. in Indianapolis. You know, you know what will happen is if we get HQ2 here, we're going to have to add another beltway, and then you're going to have everybody's crying over, I don't want to give my property up, but I don't want traffic, but I don't want, you know, I don't want mm-hmm. that road coming through my town. Well, you know, you got to be careful. These are the problems of the next state senator. you got to be careful when you get a big company like that because Anderson had Delco Remy. We had 22,000 jobs at Delco Remy and Anderson, and when they went under and went out, I mean, 17% of the houses in Anderson are vacant right now. Wow. 17% are vacant. And that was, and we've lost population since then. You think so. it's just, just poor central planning, Greg? <laughs> I think you need to be careful when you try to get these big corporations in because there's a chance they'll leave, and it just devastates your economy. A lot of eggs in yeah. the Yeah, yes, and, a lot and, of eggs and, and education exactly. is the key. A lot of times we talk about economic development, trying to woo companies in, but the biggest problem that we have is that the perception of Anderson Community Schools is not good. Over 1,600 students have transferred out of Anderson Community Schools to other public schools, not private or charter, other public schools. And so we need to start looking at our schools as an economic development tool. And I think they're going to improve. You know, the competition for students will cause schools to improve. I'll tell you what. The Anderson school system is a lot better than what their rap is. I, I, I put all four of my, my, my kids through the Anderson school system. They all went on to college and all did well. You know, I'm, the education is there at the Anderson High School if you want to get it. All right. Well, let's let's start our final thought segment. No, what this is, this is if if there's an issue we didn't get to that you guys want to pitch or something something you think is important, uh, share that. Uh, I, we're getting to the end, but you know, Lord knows you probably need more TV, radio, and, and print media. So we'll give you a chance to, to raise some more money. Uh, tell people to where to read your platform and, and fill in the uh, fill in the rest of it. We'll start with Greg and work to Dave and then and Mike and work our way around the room. Well, I just th- like to thank everybody for for listening and uh, and. Uh, uh, have the opportunity for you guys to be here. Um, like I said, and, and, and Mike pointed out, one of my big things is, um, is, is uh, legalizing marijuana. I believe that it's going to, to help our young people uh, stay away from it. Um, and um, um, the other thing that bothers me is property tax. Uh, right now, effectively, you don't own your own home. You're just paying rent to the government. So through your property. Through your property tax. So you never really own your own home. So if you fail to pay, pay your property tax or your rent to the state, they come in and take your home. And and, and it's just terrible. And people that have problems uh, medically and stuff like that, they pay property tax or take their medicine, you know. And it, you ought to be able to own your own home and not have it taken from you. Yeah. I got a whole – I got a great big – 
great big newspaper here. Luckily, we're in high definition on, on the internet, so this, the visual aids will work. Of people whose houses are being taken from them in the in that the, the tax sale listing. That's the tax sale listing. It's it's unconscionable, and these tax sales aren't at valuation. Okay, they are sold whatever the auction price gets. So you could have a fifty thousand dollar house that sells for ten thousand dollars at a tax sale. Yep. So. What we're doing, it's, the property tax is probably the cruelest tax that we put upon our citizenry. And that would be one of the things that I think that we need to be looking at our, as so our Do you advocate for increased user fees or sales taxes or just a cut in government there, size? There's what, a lot of things. One of the, th- the things that I advocated for is uh, let's do it up front. So have it like a 10% sales tax right up front. And every time the house is sold, then you, you, you'll get more income tax. About one in 10 houses are sold. People move about every 10 years or think it is five years, something like that. So every time the house turns over, the state would get more money from the sale of the taxes or from the sale of property. But in the end, you'll own your property. You won't be renting the property from the state. So if people want more information on the uh, Nolan campaign, how do, they, how do they follow you, get in touch, learn, uh, give, give money, all those things? Just my Facebook page. Yeah. All right, so we've got Greg Nolan tagged on, the, uh, on, the, on our Facebook page, so you, you'll be there and easy to reach out to. Uh, Mr. Dave Cravens. Okay. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for giving me the opportunity to speak to you tonight. Uh, if I'm blessed and if I'm elected, I will work over the party lines and work for everybody in the state of Indiana, and especially Henry County, and be accessible. Uh, I will work on you know, job creation. I will work on our infrastructure, increasing our broadband, our waterways, the quality of wa- water to farmers. Uh, I will work on education so our kids can dream again, innovations in the classroom, make sure our teachers are treated with dignity and respect. Uh, I will work on ridding the drugs off the street and making sure there's resources and rehabilitation for people to prevent some of their overcrowding in the jails. Um, but I will be a resource. Uh, I'm a product of Henry County, um, and I will be a resource, and I will work hard for you so Henry County can work hard again to bring good working middle-class jobs back to our community. And thank you. Dave, you mentioned the broadband. How, what do you? What do you? What policy do you want changed, or, or how do you want the state to get involved in helping to bring broadband? Well, I think we need to increase our brand, uh, broadband range to farmers, uh, so they can be more competitive for small and big businesses, and uh, uh, so they can be more competitive with other states. Uh, I don't think the range that they get in some of the rural areas are very good, uh, and then even some of the roads. Um, I just think they need to be increased, and I think it allows the small businesses and big businesses to be able to compete with other states. All right. Uh, if they want more information on your campaign? Cravens uh, for Senate 2018. All right. Very good. Thank you. And Mr. Gaskell. Thank you. Uh, Facebook, uh, elect Mike Gaskell. Uh, webpage, uh, MikeGaskell.net. I have to be careful that I don't get Is there already it. another Mike Gaskell out there who stole it? Uh, no. Uh, yes, me. <laughs> <laughs> MikeGaskell.com is, uh, is my business side. commercial so, yeah, yeah, so i got to separate that from political side. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm as conservative as they come. And uh, as I mentioned before, I've signed a pledge that I will not vote for a tax increase. I said that, too, and I got attacked by the Republican in my race. It's weird how that works. <laughs> yeah. well, I've been attacked by Republicans before too, and I am one. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm pro-life, uh, 
I'm endorsed by Indiana Right to Life. I'm endorsed by the NRA, pro-Second Amendment. As I said earlier, constitutionalist. Um, education is probably one of my big issues, road construction and um, – Are, you, are, you, are you in favor of orange barrels, Mike? <laughs> I, I'm in are you favor. On, you're in a pro orange barrel platform. I, I, I'm in favor of them uh, removing those orange barrels that they had out on State Road Three. I got down here a lot easier today than. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, you know, I'm very transparent. I'll tell people what I'm going to do, and I stick with it. And uh, I told, promised both uh, Dave and Greg that they would see a clean campaign out of me. And uh, and got the same promise back from him, and uh, looked like we were going to make it through without any negative. But in the last eight days, uh, Dave's campaign has hit me with four negative pieces. And uh, when the uh, state Republican Party wanted to uh, hit back, I asked him twice uh, not to do that. Uh, we've known each other a long time. Our families have known each other a long time. And uh, I didn't want to win so bad that his parents and family would see the kind of things that his campaign put out on me. And I'm very disappointed. Uh, that's not who you are, and you're better than that, Dave. All right. Um, with that, I want to thank all the candidates for coming. Uh, we've really tried to make this a platform for, uh, for people to come together and have conversations and, and get all the candidates on the ballot. Uh, in the room at the same time. Uh, we've had very good success with that. Uh, coming to the end, of the, mercifully coming to the end of the campaign cycle. Uh, as, yeah, a, I'm, as a candidate and as a talk show host, I can tell you that, uh, man, I'm ready for Wednesday of next yeah, week. I'm, I'm really glad that Mike, uh, Mike came tonight because we've had a really big problem getting Republicans to come out here. <laughs> we've had <laughs> some. We've had yeah. some. We had uh, two, two of the county council people have not have not shown. And then uh, I've exchanged messages with Greg Pence uh, for, gosh, six months or so. And I've, I've, his campaign has been tough to nail down, but it's, been, it's not been us. And I haven't taken it personally. He's just been hiding from everybody. Um, well, but, I appreciate your yes. invitation, and I think it's a great a great show, and I'm I'm honored to have an opportunity to be on it. Yeah. Well, and we're really, no matter who we get out of, uh, at, out of this race in, in Henry County, uh, I think we're going to have a state senator that's actually going to know where we are and talk to us and, and be involved and, and be a part of the community in the conversation. Uh, and I'm excited for that. Uh, you know, since the maps got redrawn, I think Henry County has been very, very actively served by Gene Lysing. Uh, but we really haven't seen a whole lot of Senator Equity down here. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty involved in politics, and I just haven't crossed paths with them. So I'm, I'm very excited to have, have you guys here now. And, and I know that Henry County is going to be represented and, and have another state senator that's going to do our bidding and be an advocate for the community. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Uh, Dakota. Final thoughts? Well, yeah, I got all kinds of final thoughts. This is a uh, this is a two episode week. So tomorrow we're going to be back in the we're studio. We're running out of days. You're going to make it come back tomorrow. Already? That's right. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be back in the studio tomorrow. Uh, we Friday will be night. Friday night. Yeah, I hope you didn't have any plans, Jerry. Just this. <laughs> we were we will be covering uh, county council district number two. Uh, it's the only it's the only one we haven't covered that's contested uh, so far. And that is between Chad Malicote as a Republican, and he is facing incumbent Democrat Robin Reno Fleming. They're go both going to be in studio, which means that uh, after these guys leave, I've got to take one of the microphones and the chairs and get it out of here and try to clean up Jeremiah's cable mess over here. I'm, I am a bull in a china shop. That's what he calls me every time, and today has been torture because now I've got 
one fifth less space than I normally do, and nothing's where it belongs. So, um, as I told Dakota at the top of the show, I will complain for a month over any change we yeah. make at any time. Well, that's uh, how it goes. That's the that's the nature of our relationship. <laughs> Yeah, the, once again, thank you guys for coming. Uh, really do appreciate it. Um, we've put a lot of work into our platform, and I think that it's serving the voters of Henry County pretty well. Um, also, uh, just need to plug uh, Wyland's Flowers in Newcastle. Once again, they are sponsoring the event. Um, you can find them at wylandsflowers.net. They are also a .net, just like Mike Gaskell. <laughs> <laughs> you can call them at 765-529-6303. Tell them that we sent you. Um, and, of course, the Henry County League of Women Voters, uh, just so everyone remembers, you don't have to be a woman to join the League of Women Voters. They will accept anyone, and they're trying to do some well, really good they, work. Well, they won't accept dogs, but they will accept gentlemen. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, not just anybody. You need, you know. Oh. <laughs> dogs, cats, yeah. llamas. No, anybody. you got to be human. It, as long as you have a driver's license and can get people to the polls, I think that they're going to take you. All right. Well, I'm excited they've been <laughs> yeah, part of the They've been community. doing a lot of good work in, in Henry County to try to get uh, voters informed, get people uh, involved in the process. So we appreciate them as well. And, of course, uh, patreon.com slash boss hog liberty. And uh, that, is how, that is how we can keep this show running. So thank you all for joining us t- uh, tonight. Um, and once again, thank you to the candidates. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you guys for running. It's a... Uh, See you guys. <laughs> uh, it is no fun when we have nobody running in these races. It's not good for the voters either. Our, our right. state rep race, you know, Tom Tom Saunders doesn't have an opponent this time. Tom's a good guy, but I always think that having having a challenge gives us a better legislature. Uh, so thank each of you for doing that. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network. And I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news. And we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk, which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to wearelibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.